Hello, everybody, and welcome back. As you know by now, I'm Jenny, and my podcast is called The Hard Truth. This is the third and final podcast in my three podcast series. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the other ones. In the first two episodes of The Hard Truth, we discussed a lot about the facts, signs, symptoms, and comorbidities of post-traumatic stress disorder. We then discussed the normalization of drinking culture in the military, how this impacts alcohol use disorder, and then finished by tying all of those different aspects together. Today, I am going to discuss a couple of different things. I will be talking a little bit about the Veterans Association, the stigma of seeking help for a mental disorder, especially in regards to the veteran population, and some future directions and personal recommendations to go with all of the information. So with that being said, I want to start by talking a little bit about the stigma associated with seeking help for a mental disorder. To get us started, I'm going to talk about stigma. Stigma is defined as a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Whether we like to admit it or not, there is a stigma that is associated with mental health, and this can oftentimes prevent someone from seeking out help. Someone might choose not to seek out help for themselves out of fear of judgment of what others might think of them. Some of the thoughts that an individual may be thinking are things like, will people think that I'm just being dramatic? Will I be judged if I am diagnosed and labeled with a certain disorder? Many different aspects like these derail individuals from seeking out help even when they realize they probably need it. In today's culture, we are certainly more open to talking about mental health than ever before, and as a whole, we are now starting to regard mental health with levels of importance. However, we still have a very long way to go. Society can still be very harsh, judgmental, and cruel to people who are considered to have something wrong with them or even to people who are different from the norm. Of course, I did my research when looking into information for this specific podcast because we can learn so much from the work and research that other people do. Numbers and statistics are changing all the time, so these things are by no means concrete. But what some of the numbers did tell me is that only about 40% of adults with a potential mental illness received treatment in 2018. This is a strikingly low number. Let's think about this in terms of other aspects of our lives. Imagine a world where only 40% of individuals who break their arm go to the doctor to get it fixed. Or what about a world where only 40% of individuals who crash their car go and get it repaired? It's almost unimaginable to think about. We are certainly still working toward a society that puts mental health and physical health on the same level. When looking at our populations of veterans specifically, research shows that about 50% of veterans with significant symptoms of mental health problems do not seek out services. I want to say that again. Half of the veterans who return home from war and have significant symptoms of a mental health disorder do not receive or even seek out treatment. Veterans are a very unique population. 
These people are trained for months or maybe even years, depending on how long they serve, to be tough, ruthless, warriors, fighters, and potentially give up their lives for their country if things come to that. Because of this unique training that service people go through, it can lead to some unique barriers regarding help seeking for mental health problems. Some of these barriers that may be specific to someone who has served in the military are concerns about confidentiality, the desire or belief that they should be able to handle their problems on their own, concerns about the judgment they will receive from others, embarrassment about a mental disability, fear, and possibly shame. Because these individuals have been taught that they should be tough and be able to handle many different situations, it may be especially difficult for a veteran to accept the fact that they might not be okay and that they could benefit from seeking help. This can be really tough because it triggers a sense of weakness and vulnerability that persons in the military are not used to feeling. Now that stigma has been addressed, we can begin to talk a little bit about treatment. As we learned in our previous podcasts, veterans are at an elevated risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder, depressive disorders, or possibly even alcohol use disorder, along with many other problems, but those are the ones that we have talked about specifically. So now we ask, how does this group of people receive help and treatment? The Department of Veterans Affairs, otherwise known as the VA, is a healthcare service for all veterans in the United States. The VA has about 1,400 operating care sites. These sites include hospitals, community clinics, community living centers, readjustment counseling centers, and other facilities. The goal of the VA is to offer services, information, and benefits to those who have served. As far as I have heard throughout my life, and throughout all of the research that I have done about this topic, the VA is the only treatment program that has been mentioned more than one time. Yes, 1,400 operating care sites sounds like a lot if you just say the number, but think about that in comparison to the 21.8 million veterans that are currently living in the United States. This means that over 15,500 veterans would be attending each Veterans Affair operating site. This is simply not possible. There are not enough locations for veterans to go and receive different forms of help when they return home from service. Also, 1,400 locations spread out across the entire United States is not very many and it is likely that some veterans have to travel really far in order to get to one of these treatment facilities. We need more locations, workers, and availability of services that veterans can utilize when they return home, because we have seen how serious and life-threatening some of the disorders such as PTSD, alcohol use disorder, and major depression can be for veterans. So that leaves us with the question, where do we go from here? First, and most importantly, it is crucial that we get more veterans with symptoms of mental health problems to seek out help. 
One way that we may begin to see this type of change is by recognizing socialization problems. In one of the research studies I read, it discussed how women make up a smaller percentage of the veteran population than men do. However, female veterans are more likely to use federal health care services, such as the VA, for mental health concerns. Why would this be the case? There are more male veterans than females, but females are using these health care services more? Is the stigma of help-seeking for mental health greater for men than it is for women? My educated guess says yes, that the stigma of mental health help-seeking for males is greater than it is for females. This could partially be due to the idea that men are more socialized to be tough and masculine, and women are more socialized to be vulnerable and ask for help. These types of ideas and socializations are ingrained in our minds from a very, very early age. This socialization itself is a problem. Both male and female veterans deal with the same struggles when they return home from serving, and both require the help of professionals at times. If we want to see a decrease in the stigma of help-seeking, especially among male veterans, as a society, we need to stop teaching boys that they have to be tough and that they should not cry or show their emotions because that makes them weak. Socializations such as this have more implications than we can imagine, one of them being help-seeking among, among veteran populations. Another way we might see changes in help-seeking behaviors could be if we begin to normalize it. Research shows that many times individuals will try to deal with their problems on their own because they do not want to admit they need help or they do not believe that their symptoms warrant some kind of clinical attention. This is dangerous because it allows time for symptoms to increase in both number and severity. This is no different for the veteran population. Many times, veterans will try to fix the problem themselves for either privacy concerns or because of their beliefs about help-seeking. I believe that as a society, we normalize the idea that problems should be fixed on your own, especially mental ones. People tend to believe or present the idea that mental health problems are not as serious because they cannot always be seen and people are supposed to have control over their own minds. This is very false. Mental health problems should be talked about and categorized on the same level as physical health problems. We need to start normalizing this type of talk and conversation. We also need to start normalizing the idea that it is okay to ask for help and that it is okay to not be okay. This change will not be seen until these conversations become a part of our everyday lives and they are a normal aspect of being human. Now, keeping things realistic, it is almost inevitable that an individual serving in the military for a substantial amount of time will witness a traumatic event. This is one aspect of service that does not really have the potential to change because there will always be war and there will always be conflict and the United States will always need men and women to serve. Because of this harsh reality, I believe it is important that we prepare our veterans before they go off 
and serve in a branch of the military. If we start teaching coping skills or stress relief techniques or ways to manage different emotions and experiences, these individuals might be better prepared for facing life during and after service. Yes, we have the Department of Veterans Affairs that aids veterans when they return home, but this is not enough. There are too many veterans that are suffering in silence and not seeking help. We know that this number is about 50%. Half of veterans are still suffering in silence. If we implement mandatory workshops and skills training sessions, As a preliminary to entering the life of service, we might begin to see change. And any change in these circumstances, no matter how small, is very, very important. Veterans also need the full love and support of their families in order to rebuild their lives after serving. This is especially true when they are left with some type of disability, whether it be mental, physical, or emotional. If you are a friend, family, or loved one of a veteran, be there for them. Support them, love them, and let them know that it is okay to not be okay, and that it is okay to ask for help. Begin to normalize these types of conversations. If we can start talking about these things and integrating them into our conversations, we might begin to see change. Also, if you notice any of the signs or symptoms associated with PTSD or alcohol use disorder, don't wait. Step up and let someone know what is going on. It should not only be on the veteran to report problems, but also on the families and the loved ones if they can see what is going on. These are possible directions that we could take the future. I do believe and research also supports this, that attitudes towards seeking mental health care have substantially improved over time. However, there are a lot of directions that we can go to move forward and many steps that still need to be taken. I was only able to discuss a few of my thoughts and ideas today. Like I stated before, any improvement, no matter how small, is so important to veterans across the country. These individuals gave their lives to serve us, and now we need to step up and serve them in any way we can. I hope you were able to learn some information about veterans and the mental health disorders that are prominent in this population. The goal of this podcast was to be both informative and get you thinking about new ideas and ways that we can begin to take steps forward. Thank you so much for listening to my three series podcast. This is the hard truth. See you later.